0: Good evening and welcome to another edition of A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. And we're going to dive into some topics here this evening. It is Wednesday evening. And we got a lot going on. Uh, A Reds broadcaster, sorry for the anti-gay slur on the air. NFL may consider a playoff secure environment. Bauer is warned about his free Joe Kelly cleats. That's just the name of few. Whether we get to all of them remains to be seen. But we're going to dive into some. How about this, boxing fans? Oscar De La Hoya. Remember that name? Boxing. Yes, Oscar De La Hoya. Forty-seven says he's ending ring retirement. So, coming to a ring near you. Look for Oscar De La Hoya. But I want to dive into this story about Bauer warned about his free Joe Kelly cleats. Major League Baseball tells Red Starter Trevor Bauer he will be disciplined if he wears special cleats in support of Dodgers pitcher Joe Kelly. Doesn't that sound a little bit kind of familiar. Remember when word broke that Johnny Unitas had passed away? Remember Johnny Unitas was a Baltimore Colts. Well, the Colts as we know them are in Indianapolis. So, Peyton Manning, who was the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, wanted to honor the passing of John Unitas. He wanted to wear the black high-top cleats and have shoes with his number 19 on there. The NFL told him that was a no-no, and the only team that could honor him was the Baltimore Ravens. That if he did it, he would be fined. Pooey on you, NFL. Yes. So now we move on. And to understand the narrative of this story, remember the late July game when uh, Joe Kelly threw it to battles for the Houston Astros and the trending word for the Astros is spelled A-S-S-T-R-O-S. Well, he didn't even hit anybody. The teams cleared the bench. No fists were thrown. No punches were thrown. As some called it, it was the social distance brawl. Well, anyway, after he gets off his injury list, off the injured list, he has to serve what was initially an eight-game suspension, and it's been reduced to five. Well, anyway, the story goes, Cincinnati Red Star Trevor Bauer was told by Major League Baseball he could be subject to discipline and removal from a game if he wears custom-made cleats that say free Joe Kelly on one shoot and have a pouty face illustration of the suspended Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher on the other, Bauer told ESPN on Wednesday. Kelly was banned for eight games after the league said he intentionally threw at Houston Astros third baseman Alex Bregman and shortstop Carlos Correa in a late July game. Kelly appealed And the suspension, which will begin when he comes off the injury list, was reduced to five games. By the way, the picture of the shoes looked very nice. I wouldn't mind having a pair myself. Bauer, who has been one of the National League's best pitchers this season, tweeted a video of the shoes and said he planned to wear them during his start Wednesday night in the second game of a double hitter against Kansas City. In a second tweet, Bauer said he planned to give away the cleats to a person who purchased a t shirt on his website of a goat with Kelly's sad face that said, Deal with it. In the tweet, Bauer said all proceeds would go to Kelly's charity of his choice. Major League Baseball contacted the Reds and said the cleats are against. The footwear regulations bargained by the league and the Major League Baseball Players Association, sources said. When a team official suggested Bauer intended to wear them, sources said the league said if umpires saw him sporting the shoes, he could be removed from the game. The footwear regulations state that MLB and the Players Club will each have discretionary rights to deny any approved design and that approval will not be unreasonably withheld. Players' cleats, the regulations say, may contain writings, illustrations, and messages, while Bauer said he believes the shoes fall within the regulations, wearing them could lead to punishment, according to the regulations. Players will be subject to progressive discipline for wearing designs that were not submitted for approval or for wearing footwear during a game that was denied approval by MLB or the Players Club. Bauer has been an an outspoken critic of the league's marketing and the Astros, who used a sign stealing scheme during their 2017 World Series winning season. While Kelly wasn't a member of the Dodgers team that lost to the Astros that season, Houston did knock out his team, the Boston Red Sox, in the division series. Following the inning in which his fastball buzzed behind Bregman and a breaking ball nearly hit Correa, Kelly walked toward the Dodgers' dugout, turned toward Correa, and offered his now-famous pouty face. The team's benches cleared, though no fight materialized. On his teammate Ross Stripling's podcast last week, Kelly said Astro players who were not disciplined by MLB for their involvement in the scheme snitched like a little bee and that they cheated. Everyone knows they're cheaters. They know they're cheaters. Kelly added that he was not intentionally throwing at the Astro players. So there you have it. My question is for Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball. Why does it seem that the Astros are being protected as if they are victims? First of all, I don't don't think that he did enough as far as punishing them. And the Astros pretty much got off scot-free. Look at all the events that have taken place. Coronavirus creeps up. Then you had the George Floyd killing at the hands of an officer. Then you had the protests. It's kind of like the Astros fiasco was swept away under the rug. And now you have Manfred saying, which is when you see Major League Baseball says he... That's basically Rob Manfred saying, you wear those shoes. You will be disciplined, removed from the game. My question is, why? To me, Rob Manfred, you're very un-American. Because last time I checked the Constitution, you have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So why are you protecting the cheaters? Why are you protecting the Astros? Yeah, that's Astros. Emphasis on the word ass. stroves. I guess you felt it would be unconstitutional to strip them of their World Series title. Let's look at some things that have happened in sports. Jim Beheim, coach of the Syracuse Orange. He was stripped of some victories. Let's look at Memphis under John Calipari. That magical run they had to the NCAA tournament where they lost in overtime to the Kansas Jayhawks. That's no longer in the record books. And Rob Manfred, you telling me you can't strip a team of his title? At least put an asterisk behind beside it with a symbol of the Houston Astros, let them know that this title was tainted. Better yet, grow a set and do what you should have done and strip them of the title. No, this will not be tolerated. Personally speaking, I think the Astros, maybe Rob Manfred has a vested interest in the Astros organization because he's doing a good job covering them up. He's already let it be known. Any intentional throwing at him? Or what do you call intentional? If the ball slips away from a pitcher's hand, I'm pretty sure in your book, it was intentional. Why are the Astros being cheated as if they didn't do nothing? Wrong. When they cheated the game of baseball. So Rob Manfred, here's my word to you. If you're going to protect the Astros the way you're protecting them, why don't you grow a set and lift the ban on Pete Rose? Bottom line. You may as well. They say Pete Rose cheated the game, but he has a lifetime ban. The Astros, as an organization, cheated the game, won the World Series. They still get to gloat around like the champions, they are. So if you're not going to do anything to the Astros, why don't you reinstate Pete Rose? Pete Rose has at least come clean and said he betted on games. I bet you won't hear the Astros say, hey, we cheated to win the World Series. There's a big difference. Did it take Pete Rose a while to make his confession? Yes, it did. But he's made it. How long is it going to take before the Astros to say, hey, we cheated the game? How long are you going to turn a blind eye, Rob Mafford? Right now, my level of respect for you is very low. I have more respect now for Roger Goodell than I do for Rob Manfred. I see no harm with the shoes. And since I'm not under a gag order, and this is my podcast, and I do have freedom of speech, I'ma say to you, Rob Manfred, knowing that you probably won't hear this unless someone happens to get hold of this transcript and decide they want to send it to you by tweet or whatever the case is. Rob Manfred. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. Let me say that again. Rob Manfred. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. The punishment does not fit the crime. Stop protecting the Astros as if they didn't do anything wrong when you know, good and well. They blatantly cheated the game. No, you can't turn around and give the World Series trophy to the Dodgers. But at least you can take the trophy away from the Astros, Asterix, or whatever you want to call them. When I come back. I will have some more news for you. One broadcaster is living in regret over some comments that he made. After this word from my sponsor, I will come back and I will tell you about it. Stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. More to come after this word from my sponsor. Well, it seems as if this has been a bad week for broadcasters. One broadcaster got popped using the N-word in the NBA playoff bubble. Well, now, Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman deeply ashamed for using anti-gay slur on the air. Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman used an anti-gay slur during Cincinnati's game Wednesday night at the Kansas City Royals and later left the broadcast after apologizing. Brenneman used the slur after the Fox Sports Ohio broadcast returned from a commercial break for the top of the seventh inning of the first game of a double hitter. Brenneman did not seem to realize he was already on air. Brenneman remained on air in the second game until the top of the fifth inning when he spoke directly to the camera before handing off play-by-play duties to Jim Day. Quote, I made a comment earlier tonight that I guess went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of, Brenneman said, pausing at one point to call a Nick Castellanos home run. If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I will apologize to the people who signed my paycheck, for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. Major League Baseball was aware of the incident, but did not have an immediate comment. The Reds did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Brenneman and the Reds, announcers, were working from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati even though the doubleheader against the worlds was in Kansas City, Missouri. Remote broadcasts have become the norm in baseball this year because of coronavirus protocols. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am, Brennan said. That is not who I am. It never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. The son of Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman, Tom, 56, has called major league games for 33 years and has been with Fox Sports for the past 27, covering primarily baseball and football. In another story, something I alluded to maybe last week, I was thinking about realigning the NFL and playing the NFL in a bubble-like situation. Well, a few weeks later, bubble-like environment, a possibility for NFL's postseason league says. Conventional season, the NFL is looking at any and all unconventional ideas. That includes one that came from Sean Payton about setting up a playoff bubble. Now, it doesn't mean the NFL will have to do that, but it will look at all options if that one is necessary. So far to date, the NFL is very pleased with what's happened. Only 10 players remain on the COVID-19 reserve list. And the Saints and Cowboys have set up their own virtual bubbles, yielding great results so far. If there are any setbacks along the way, the postseason bubble becomes an option that the NFL will consider. But right now, it's all systems go with the season kicking off three weeks from Thursday. Just the sounds of hearing football starting back. So Reggie back. Miller moved into the Wendy's at work. So, there you have the bubble Environment shaping up. The NFL will consider possibilities for a postseason bubble that would further protect players, coaches, and staff members from the coronavirus during the most important games of the season, Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent said Wednesday. New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton broached the idea during a recent competition committee meeting. Vincent said, the league has made no comments and Vincent said he isn't sure whether it is something the league can do legally, but he reiterated that all things are on the table at the moment. We didn't use the term bubble, Vincent said, but that secure environment to make sure that there is no risk from the outside as teams start making that playoff dry. We did tell Coach Payton that it was something that both Chief Medical Officer Alan Seals and the teams would explore. These are things that we just have to be flexible on. Bubbles that isolate players, coaches, and key staff members from the local community have worked well for the NBA, WNBA, NHL, and professional soccer. The NFL considered but ultimately decided against true market bubbles for the season, citing the relative practicality of what would be at least six months of isolation. Instead, it created what Seals has called a virtual football bubble, consisting of strict protocols at team facilities and potential player discipline for risky behavior when away from it. The approach has yielded strong early results, and as of Tuesday, only 10 players remained on the league's reserve COVID-19 list. Some teams, including the Saints and Dallas Cowboys, have created voluntary bubbles for players during training camp that allow them to shuttle between a hotel and the practice facility without significant exposure to the surrounding community. In other league news Wednesday, Vincent confirmed that Commissioner Roger Goodell has formed a COVID-19 advisory board to help make some decisions during the season that normally would fall under the competition committee's purview. Vincent declined to name the members of the board, but said they would help Goodell make decisions about potential schedule changes, postponements, cancellations, and other issues that could be a conflict of interest for the competition committee's members. The NFL tweaked this protocol to eliminate testing for any person who was known to have tested positive in the past 90 days. The change reflects new CDC guidance that previously infected people retain immunity for at least three months. Although they won't be tested, those people will still be required to follow masks and other personal protective equipment protocol. The league distributed travel and game day protocols to teams this week. In order to minimize the number of people on the field before a game, the league has barred cheerleaders, mascots, sideline reporters, and fans from the field at all times. Seals said that the league is following advancements in saliva testing but gave no indication that it would switch from its current protocol of PCR tests. Anything we do has to be filtered through the lens of having the most accurate and efficient test that we can, he said. Sills said that feedback has been mixed on a plastic mask designed by Oakley that attaches two helmets and is designed to minimize spread of the virus during practices and games. Concerns about the breathability of the mask have led Oakley to develop a new version that will soon be distributed, Sills said. There has been no decision on whether the league will continue to conduct daily COVID-19 testing during the regular season, Sills said. The NFL and NFL Players Association testing agreement expires September 5th, after which they will have to decide whether to extend the daily test or, if infection rates remain low, reduce them to every other day. So there you have some news regarding NFL and their policies on the COVID 19 testing and the possibility of making a safe environment for the playoffs. Stick around. Hope you're enjoying what you're listening to this evening. I do have more to come. We will probably dive into a little bit of NBA because we do have some playoff action going on. Got some scores to pass along and some NBA news for you. So stick around and I'll be right back after this word from my sponsor. Welcome back. Once again, this is Wednesday evening. And we have some scores to pass along to you. The NBA bubble in Florida with 544 to go in the third quarter. The Mavericks are up on the Clippers 75-72. Not looking good for the Clippers. Even though the Clippers lead the series one game to zero, the Clippers just do not look like they're really in sync. But 5.44 5.44 to go in the third quarter, there's still plenty of basketball left to go. Uh, in the game that was played earlier in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Raptors, the defending, emphasis on that, the defending NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors, who were down in that game by 12 at one point, came back and pulled it out. Winning that game over the Brooklyn Nets by a final score of 104 to 99. And they lead that series two games to none. Uh, In the West, first round, game two, series is tied up 1 to 1. That's because the Utah Jazz was making sweet melody on the court, beating the Denver Nuggets by a score of 124 to 105. Also in the East, first round action. The Boston Celtics mollywopped the Philadelphia 76ers by a final score of 128 to 101, and they lead that series two games to none. So it like at any moment the Celtics could possibly break out the Brooms and sweep Philly out of Florida. Looking at some NBA news, uh, the Clippers, Patrick Beverly hampered by a lingering left cap strain is ruled out for game two by the Clippers. The LA Clippers ruled Patrick Beverly out for game two due to a lingering left cap strain. Coach Doc Rivers said the team's starting point guard was not moving well in the morning shooting round. He was added to the afternoon injury report as questionable before the team downgraded him to out. Beverly suffered the injury on August 4 against the Phoenix Suns and missed the final five seeding games for the Clippers. He played in game one against Dallas, but was limited to 20 minutes due to five personal fouls. I don't have any sense, Rivers said, when asked about the severity of the injury. Obviously, it is something that has lingered, but I have no sense whether he plays next game or if he or if this is one of those things that takes a week or so. I just don't know. The Clippers 118 110 victory over the Mavericks in game one was only the 12th time all season that the team had his full lineup available team has often been shorthanded due to injuries and also personal situations that saw three Clippers leave the bubble to tend to family emergencies. Mavericks big man Kristaps Porzingis, who was listed as questionable Wednesday morning due to right knee soreness played in game two. Also some more NBA news Nets Joe Harris exits bubble for personal matter will miss two games minimum. Brooklyn Nets guard Joe Harris left the bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort on Wednesday to attend to a non-medical personal matter after the team's 104-99 loss to the Toronto Raptors in Game 2 of their first-round playoff series. Because of the NBA rules for quarantining after a player leaves the bubble, even if Harris returns as soon as Thursday, he will miss at minimum, games three and four of this series. With the defending champion Raptors holding a 2-0 lead in this best-of-seven affair, that can mean that Harris has played his last game as a net this season, and possibly for good, given that he will be an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. Harris had 14 points and 15 rebounds in 39 minutes for the Nets on Wednesday. Garrett Temple lost the ball when Harris tried to hand it off to him in the closing seconds with the Nets trailing by three. We got the ball in the hands of our shooter, Nets coach Jock Vaughn said, referring to Brooklyn's inbounding the ball to Harris, who was guarded by Kyle Lowry. Good defense by Kyle Lowry, but the ball was intended for Joe. The Nets have been shorthanded in their time in the bowl. Kevin Durant has missed the entire season because of an Achilles tear. Kyrie Irving was limited to 20 games a season because of shoulder problems. Rookie Nick Claxton had knee surgery and never came to the bubble. Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Terrain Prince, and Wilson Chandler opted out of participating. Brooklyn will next have to deal with the loss of Harris, who has developed in Brooklyn into one of the league's best three-point shooters. Harris returns 29 on September 6th, averaged 14.5 points per game this season, and shot 42.4 from three-point range. So there you have some NBA news for you, what's going on inside the bubble. And It's amazing how this Brooklyn team is still playing. With You look at all that they have lost, basically. I mean, we knew Durant was a no-go, so that's for the season. Kyrie was limited, shoulder problems. The fact that they still had some pieces on the team, and this is even after when you look at Spencer Dinwiddie not there, DeAndre Jordan, Tareem Prince, and Wilson Chandler, it just goes to show that they actually had some other players that stepped up. And this Nets team was actually a good, competitive team when you look at the makeup of their roster. So, yeah, you wonder if. Harris, will he be back next year when you look at his stats, 14 points a game? But look at his accuracy from three-point line, 42% for the game. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason because you know that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're both pretty much ball-dominant type players. So you wonder what are they going to put around them. Do they have expendable pieces where they can bring pieces in that will go and fit the mold of what this Brooklyn Nets team is and coach job gone. There's the possibility they could get swept and now start looking towards the offseason and what kind of moves they're going to make, what kind of acquisitions they will pick up. But this Nets team ought to be a very interesting team if they get the right pieces around Kyrie and Durant. Well, Tonight, that is all I have for you. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you want to support, there's a way you can do that. And there's increments in how you can support. You can support it $0.99 cents a month, four ninety nine a month, or nine 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 99 a month. Whatever support you give will be greatly appreciated. I'll look to have a guest on. No later than Friday. I'm just going to go ahead and give you the name. Sean Vanderveer, young man I went to school with at Hutchinson Community College. He was part of that I believe it was the 19, yes, 1987, 88 team. A team that suffered some tragic losses that year. A team that played shorthanded, but found a way to win the NJCAA national title that year. And did they have some players on that team? William Davis, Maurice Britton, Reggie Morton, of course, Sean Vanderveer, who's on the coaching staff at Wyoming. I believe this is the second stint there. You talk about loyalties. I just have to find out who's the head coach. I think it's still Steve McClain. I'm not pretty sure. But when you you look at loyalties to people throughout the years, and you won't find more loyalty than what you see. If Steve McClain is still the coach there, then understand this. Steve McClain was also his coach at Hutch. Well, Steve McClain was up under Dave Farrar, who also took a job once upon a time at Wyoming, brought Steve McClain along with him. And then next thing you know, you look up. There's that three-headed monster, McLean, Farrar, and Sean Benavidez. And then Sean Benavidez coached briefly here in the state of Kansas, Emporia State. Well, Now he's back in Wyoming. So I'm gonna say by Friday, I look to having him. Look forward to having him on my podcast for an interview. So uh, stay tuned for that. That will be coming up Friday. I'm also going to try to effort some more guests um, here in Wichita. And there are some things going on as when football season kicks off, there will not be no games outside the G-Wall, the Greater Wichita Athletic League. So the games will be city league based only, which means reduction of games. So hopefully I can probably get one of the high school coaches on and, get inside their brain and see what kind of adjustments they're making, see how practices are going. Push comes to shove. I'll reach out to Steve Martin once again, because I'm having a hard time getting Western shorts. So thanks for tuning in to my podcast. And if I'm not back with you on Thursday, I will definitely be back with you on Friday. So as I always say, take care of yourself and each other. God bless. Have a blessed night.